Psalm 42, Part 2 of Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2, by St. Augustine of Hippo. Psalm 42, Part 2. But seeing, brethren, so long as we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord, and the corruptible body presseth down the soul, and the earthly tabernacle weigheth down the mind that museth on many things, even though we have some way or other dispersed the clouds, by walking as longing leads us on, and for a brief while have come within reach of that sound, so that by an effort we may catch something from the house of God, yet through the burden, so to speak, of our infirmity, we sink back to our usual level, and relapse to our ordinary state, and just as there we found cause for rejoicing, so here there will not be wanting an occasion for sorrow. For that heart that made tears its bread, day and night, borne along by longing to the water brooks, that is, to the spiritual delights of God, pouring forth his soul above himself, that he may attain to what is above his own soul, walking towards the place of the wonderful tabernacle, even unto the house of God, and led on by the sweetness of that inward spiritual sound to feel contempt for all outward things, and be borne unto things spiritual, is but a mortal man still, is still groaning here, still bearing about the frailty of flesh, still in peril in the midst of the offenses of this world. He therefore glances back to himself, as if he were coming from that world, and says to himself, now placed in the midst of these sorrows, comparing these with the things, to see which he had entered in there, and after seeing which he had come forth from thence. Verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why dost thou disquiet me? Lo, we have just now been gladdened by certain inward delights. With the mind's eye we have been able to behold, though, but with a momentary glance, something not susceptible of change. Why dost thou still disquiet me? Why art thou still cast down? For thou dost not doubt of thy God. For now thou art not without somewhat to say to thyself, in answer to those who say, Where is thy God? I have now had the perception of something that is unchangeable. Why dost thou disquiet me still? Hope in God. Just as if his soul was silently replying to him, Why do I disquiet thee? But because I am not yet there, where that delight is, to which I was, as it were, wrapped for a moment. Am I already drinking from this fountain with nothing to fear? Have I no longer any stumbling blocks to dread? Have I no longer anything to care for, as if all my passions were conquered and thoroughly subdued? Is not my foe, the devil, on the watch against me? Is he not daily spreading for me the snares of his deceptions? Wouldst thou have me not disquiet thee, placed as I am yet in the world, and absent from the house of my God? Still, hope in God is his answer to the soul that disquiets him, and would fain account for her disquiet from the evils with which this world abounds. In the meanwhile, dwell in hope, for hope that is seen is not hope, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Hope in God. Why, hope, for I will confess unto him. What wilt thou confess? My God is the saving health of my countenance. My health, my salvation, cannot be from myself. This it is that I will say, that I will confess, it is my God that is the saving health of my countenance. For to account for his fears in the midst of those things, which he now knows, having come after a sort of understanding of them, he has been looking behind him again in anxiety, lest the enemy be stealing upon him. He cannot yet say, I am made whole every whit. For having but the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. When that health, 
that salvation is perfected in us, then shall we be living in the house of God forever, and praising forever him to whom it was said, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will be praising thee world without end. This is not so yet, because the salvation which is promised is not as yet in being, but it is in hope that I confess unto God and say, My God is the saving health of my countenance, for it is in hope that we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Persevere then that thou mayest attain, persevere until salvation come. Hear thy God himself speaking to thee from within, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and let thy heart be strengthened. Wait, I say, on the Lord, for he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Why then art thou cast down, O my soul, and why dost thou disquiet me? Hope in God, for I will confess unto him, my confession is this, my God is the saving health of my countenance. Verse 6. My soul is disquieted on account of myself. Is it disquieted on account of God? It is on my own account it is disquieted. By the unchangeable it was revived. It is by the changeable it is disquieted. I know that the righteousness of God remaineth. Whether my own will remain steadfast, I know not. For I am alarmed by the apostle saying, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Therefore, since there is no soundness in me for myself, there is no hope either for me of myself. My soul is disquieted on account of myself. Wouldst thou have it not disquieted? Let it not rest on thine own self, and say, Unto thee, O Lord, have I lifted up my soul. Hear the meaning of this more plainly. Found not thy hopes on thyself, but on thy God. For if thou restest thy hopes on thyself, thy soul is disquieted on account of thyself. For it has not yet found anything that should make it secure about thee. Since then my soul is disquieted on account of myself, what remains but humility? But that soul should not presume on her own merits. What remains but that she should make herself the very meanest of all things, that she should humble herself, that she may deserve to be exalted, that she give herself credit for nothing, that what is good for her may by him be given to her. Therefore, because my soul is disquieted on account of myself, and since it is pride that causes this disquiet, Therefore I remember thee, O Lord, from the land of Jordan and from the little hill of Hermon. From whence did I remember thee? From the little hill and from the land of Jordan. Perhaps from baptism, where the remission of sins is given. For no one runs to the remission of sins except he who is dissatisfied with himself. No one runs to the remission of sins but he who confesses himself a sinner. No one confesses himself a sinner except by humbling himself before God. Therefore it is from the land of Jordan I have remembered thee, and from the hill. Observe, not of the great hill, that thou mayest make of the little hill a great one. For whoso exalteth himself shall be abased, and whoso humbleth himself shall be exalted. If you would, also ask the meanings of the names. Jordan means their descent. Descend then, and thou mayst be lifted up. Be not lifted up, lest thou be cast down. And the little hill of Hermon. Hermon means anathematizing. Anathematize thyself by being displeased with thyself. For if thou art pleased with thyself, God will be displeased with thee, because then God gives us all good things, because he himself is good, not because we are worthy of it, because he is merciful, not because we have in anything deserved it. It is from the land of Jordan and from Hermon that I remember thee, and because he so remembers with humility, he shall earn his exaltation to fruition, for he is not exalted in himself who glories in the Lord. Verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep with the voice of thy water spouts. I may perhaps finish the psalm, aided as I am by your attention, whose fervor I perceive. As for your fatigue in hearing, I am not greatly solicitous, since you see me also who speak, toiling in the heat of these exertions. 
Surely it is from your seeing me laboring that you labor with me. For I am laboring not for myself, but for you. Deep calleth unto deep with the voice of thy water spouts. It was God whom he addressed, who remembered him from the land of Jordan and Hermon. It was in wonder and admiration he spake this, Abyss calleth unto abyss with the voice of thy water spouts. What abyss is this that calls, and to what other abyss? Justly, because the understanding spoken of is an abyss. For an abyss is a depth that cannot be reached or comprehended, and it is principally applied to a great body of water. For there is a depth, a profound, the bottom of which cannot be reached by sounding. Furthermore, it is said in a certain passage, Thy judgments are a mighty abyss. Scripture meaning to suggest that the judgments of God are incomprehensible. What then is the abyss that calls, and to what other abyss does it call? If by abyss we understand a great depth, is not man's heart, do you not suppose, an abyss? For what is there more profound than that abyss? Men may speak, may be seen by the operations of their members, may be heard speaking in conversation, but whose thought is penetrated, whose heart seen into? What he is inwardly engaged on, what he is inwardly capable of, what he is inwardly doing, or what proposing, what he is inwardly wishing to happen or not to happen, who shall comprehend? I think an abyss may not unreasonably be understood of man, of whom it is said elsewhere, man shall come to a deep heart, and God shall be exalted. If man then is an abyss, in what way doth abyss call on abyss? Does man call on man as God is called upon? No, but calls on is equivalent to calls to him. For it was said of a certain person he calls on death, that is, lives in such a way as to be inviting death, for there is no man at all who puts up a prayer and calls expressly on death, but men by evil living invite death. Deep calls on deep, then, is man calls to man. Thus is it wisdom is learnt, and thus faith, when man calls to man. The holy preachers of God's word call on the deep. Are they not themselves a deep also? That you may know that they also are a deep, the apostle says, It is a very small thing that I be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Nay, how profound a deep he is, here yet farther. Yea, I judge not mine own self. Do not you believe that there is in man a deep so profound as not to be seen through by him in whom it is? How profound a depth of infirmity lay concealed in Peter when he knew not what was passing in himself and rashly promised to die either with or for his Lord? How profound was the abyss, yet was that abyss bared to the eyes of God? For that which he knew not of within himself, Christ forewarned him of. Every man then, though holy, though righteous, though advancing in many things, is still a deep, and he is calling on a deep when he is announcing any point of faith, any point of truth, for the sake of eternal life. But it is then that the deep is useful to the deep called upon when it is done with the voice of thy water spouts. Deep calls to deep. Man wins his fellow man, but not with his own voice, but with the voice of thy water spouts. Here another interpretation. Deep calleth to deep with the voice of thy water spouts. I, who tremble all over when my soul was disquieted on account of myself, feared greatly on account of thy judgments. For under this mortal flesh, subject to suffering and sin, full of trouble and of offenses, obnoxious to solicitations of passion, there is a certain sentence of condemnation from thy judgment. For thou hast said to the sinner, Thou shalt surely die, and, in the sweat of thy brow, thou shalt eat bread. This is the first deep of thy judgments. But if men have lived ill here, deep calleth unto deep, in that they pass from punishment to punishment, and from darkness to darkness, and from deep to deep, and from suffering to suffering. 
and from the fires of passion to the flames of hell. It was this, then, perhaps, that this man feared, when he said, My soul is disquieted on account of myself. Therefore I have remembered thee, O Lord, from the land of Jordan and from Hermon. I am bound to be humble, for I am horribly afraid of thy judgments. Intensely do I fear thy judgments. Therefore is my soul disquieted on account of myself. And what judgments of thine are they that I have feared? Are those judgments slight ones? They are great ones, severe, hard to bear. But would they were all. Deep calls to deep with the voice of thy water spouts, and that thou threatenest. Thou sayest that there is another condemnation in store even after those sufferings. Deep calls on deep with the voice of thy water spouts. Whither then shall I go from thy presence, and whither shall I flee from thy spirit? Seeing that deep calls to deep, and after those sufferings, severer ones are to be dreaded. All thy overhangings and thy waves are come upon me. The waves in what I already feel, the overhangings in that thou denouncest. All my sufferings are thy waves, all thy denouncements of judgments are thy overhangings. In the waves that deep calleth, in the overhangings is the other deep which it calls to. In this that I suffer are all thy waves, in the severer punishment that thou threatenest, all thy overhangings are come upon me. For he who threatens does not let his judgments fall upon us, but keeps them suspended over us. But inasmuch as thou sittest at liberty, I have thus spoken unto my soul, Hope in God, for I will confess unto him, My God is the saving health of my countenance. The more numerous my sufferings, the sweeter will be thy mercy. Therefore follows, the Lord will commend his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the nighttime will he declare it. In tribulation no man has leisure to hear, attend, when it is well with you, hear, when it is well with you, learn, when you are in tranquility, the discipline of wisdom, and store up the word of God as you do food. For in tribulation every one must be profited by what he heard in the time of security. For in prosperity God commends to thee his mercy, in case thou serve him faithfully, for he frees thee from tribulation. But it is in the night only that he declares his mercy to thee, which he commended to thee by day. When tribulation shall actually come, he will not leave thee destitute of his help. He will shew thee that which he commanded to thee in the daytime is true. For it is written in a certain passage, The mercy of the Lord is seasonable in the time of affliction, as clouds of rain in the time of drought. The Lord hath commended his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night will he declare it. He does not shew that he is thine helper, unless tribulation come, from whence thou must be rescued by him who promised it to thee in the daytime. Therefore we are warned to be like the ant. For just as the worldly prosperity is signified by the day, adversity by the night, so again, in another way, worldly prosperity is expressed by the summer, adversity by the winter. And what is it that the ant does? She lays by in summer what will be useful to her in winter. Whilst, therefore, it is summer, whilst it is well with you, whilst you are in tranquility, hear the word of the Lord. For how can it be that in the midst of these tempests of the world you should pass through the whole of that sea without suffering? How could it happen? To what mortal's lot has it fallen? If even it has been the lot of any, that very calm is more to be dreaded. The Lord hath commended his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the nighttime he will declare it. What shouldest thou do then in this pilgrimage? What shouldest thou do? Verse 8. There is with me prayer unto the God of my life. This I make my business here. I who am the heart thirsting and longing for the water brooks, calling to mind the sweetness of that strain, by which I was led on through the tabernacle, even to the house of God. Whilst this corruptible body presseth down the soul, there is yet with me prayer unto the God of my life. For in order to making supplication unto God, I have not to buy aught from places beyond the sea, or in order that he may hear me, 
have i to sail to bring from a distance frankincense in perfumes or have i to bring calf or ram from the flocks there is with me prayer to the god of my life i have within a victim to sacrifice i have within an incense to place on the altar i have within a sacrifice wherewith to propitiate my god the sacrifice of god is a troubled spirit what sacrifice of a troubled spirit i have within here verse nine i will say unto god thou art my lifter up why hast thou forgotten me for i am suffering here even as if thou hadst forgotten me but thou art trying me and i know that thou dost but put off not take utterly from me what thou hast promised me but yet why hast thou forgotten me so cries our head also as if speaking in our name my god my god why hast thou forsaken me i will say unto god thou art my lifter up why hast thou forgotten me why hast thou rejected me rejected me that is to say from that height of the apprehension of the unchangeable truth why hast thou rejected me why when already longing for those things have i been cast down to these by the weight and burden of my iniquity this same voice in another passage said i said in my trance i e in my rapture when he had seen some great thing or other i said in my trance i am cast out of the sight of thine eyes for he compared these things in which he found himself to those toward which he had been raised and saw himself cast out far from the sight of god's eyes as he speaks even here why hast thou rejected me verse nine why go i mourning while mine enemy troubleth me while he breaketh my bones even he my tempter the devil while offences are everywhere on the increase because of the abundance of which the love of many is waxing cold when we see the strong members of the church generally giving way to the causes of offence does not christ's body say the enemy breaketh my bones for it is the strong members that are the bones and sometimes even those that are strong sink under their temptations for whosoever of the body of christ considers this does he not exclaim with the voice of christ's body why hast thou rejected me why go i mourning while my enemy troubleth me while he breaketh my bones you may see not my flesh merely but even my bones to see those who were thought to have some stability giving way under temptations so that the rest of the weak brethren despair when they see those who are strong succumbing how great my brethren are the dangers they who trouble me cast me in the teeth again that voice verse ten while they say daily unto me where is thy god and it is principally in the temptations of the church they say this where is thy god how much was this cast in the teeth of the martyrs those men so patient and courageous for the name of christ how often was it said to them where is your god let him deliver you if he can for men saw their torments outwardly they did not inwardly behold their crowns they who trouble me cast me in the teeth while they say daily to me where is thy god and on this account seeing my soul is disquieted on account of myself what else should i say unto it than these words verse eleven why art thou cast down o my soul and why dost thou disquiet me and as it seems to answer wouldst thou not have me disquiet thee placed as i am here in so great evils wouldst thou have me not disquiet thee panting as i am after what is good thirsting and laboring as i am for it what should i say but verse eleven hope thou in god for i will yet confess unto him he states the very words of that confession he repeats the grounds on which he fortifies his hope he is the health of my countenance and my god end of psalm 42 part 2